Welcome to the Century Church Podcast with Dr. Patrick M. Quinn. You can find out more information about Century Church at www.century.church or download our app at the Apple or Google Play Store. Hey everyone, welcome back to our series, When God Doesn't Make Sense. I know that we've had two very powerful conversations and today you are in for another real treat as we look into the testimony of Brent and Rebecca Beal. We're going to be talking about when God changes the outcome, when God changes the outcome in our lives. And I know that so many of us, we've had occasions when we felt like God has called us into something, led us into something, and then it has become something far different, something much different. And yet in the midst of the battle of that, the sorrow, some of the brokenness, some of the regret or disappointment in it, there is also blessing. There is also glorifying God. There is also some great truths that we learn, and there is grace that has been extended to us. And so today we are going to jump into a conversation where I hope that you learn a lot more about when God doesn't make sense and changes the outcome in our life, things that we can live through, things that we can watch God at work in our own life and the way in which God will grow us is, is really what this conversation will be all about. And I want to turn our attention to a passage of scripture that honestly has meant a lot to me in my life as I have tried to step out in faith in callings. And when I watch other people like Brent and Rebecca step out as well. But first of all, I just want to introduce Brent and Rebecca. Brent and Rebecca, will you say hello to everyone today? Hey. Good morning. Good morning. So, um, Brent and Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us, uh, you know, and I want to share this passage of scripture because I know that it's going to relate to your story as well. But in Matthew chapter 14, in verses 22 and following, it's a very familiar story of Jesus walking on the water and then Peter doing the same. And I want to talk about that for just a moment. But it says this, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, I share that story with you because it's a very familiar, famous passage of scripture found in Matthew chapter 14 of when people get out of the boat. And we see this story with the disciples of of Peter getting out of the boat, of, of being willing to step out in faith and, and walk on water. Now, Brent and Rebecca, I know that you have a very powerful and compelling story. You may not necessarily know that or may not necessarily think that because you've just been living your lives, but you did say yes to a calling and that calling being foster care and really foster to adopt. And so I just wanted you to take a moment to introduce yourselves, your family, and, uh, and then jump into a little bit of this calling into foster care and why your family chose to, uh, chose to say yes to that particular calling. Well, I'm, I'm Brent. This is Rebecca. We've got uh, two kids already, Elijah and Leah, and, uh, which a lot of our church family has met. And uh, we decided to get into this uh, with the journey to adopt and getting there was kind of the, the hard 
journey. Uh, you know, I think it's uh, your intro with, with as far as God calling and, and Jesus calling out and saying, come with me. What people don't realize is he keeps calling you and you're reluctant to get out of the boat. And it just happens over a lifetime, I, I guess. And, you know, for, for me and, and Rebecca, it's something we've talked about for years, even prior to moving to Pike Road, was I, I had a practice where I was an attorney and I represented families and I represented kids, the guardian litem. And so I was familiar with uh, the foster care system and all the intricacies of how it worked. And, you know, I had a kind of the worst case scenario where it was like, I had a child that died in a foster home that was just not an acceptable home. And I remember coming home and just, we had this conversation about, you know, there ought to be better families. Like there ought to be more options for foster care and for these kids to go to, because these are all, I mean, everyone is kids, special kids. Um, and so we, we talked about it and, we decided, you know, it's not a good time to get out of the boat. Uh, it's a little hard to, to, to get out and, and, and really. We kept saying when the kids are a little older. And so years go by and different things. And, uh, and then we moved to Pike Road and, and, and we meet you and, and we're sitting in there and repeating this. You know, we've always talked about this and, you know, we'd be on road trips or wherever and we would talk about it that, one day we're going to do this and one day we're going to do this. And finally we said, yes, uh, we're going to do this. And, but it was to adopt, you know, our goal is to, was to really to open our home to a, to a, a child or children permanently, you know, ongoing. We didn't really want to be kind of a temporary home uh, where, you know, kids coming out. Uh, it's, as you know, it's just very difficult. I think on a family, when you have children coming in and out, it's it's not only for me and Rebecca. It's it's one of the it changes the dynamic of the house, but it's also your kids and how that how it impacts them with children coming and going. So to follow up with that, um, you know, you end up give us a little bit of a timeline because what happens in your story that I find so compelling is that you jump into it to adopt, but you've had two specific situations where you thought that might be the case. And now you still have not adopted. Both of those situations ended in you not being able to adopt. Uh, give us a little bit of a timeline of, you know, when you went through training to, uh, the first child and to the second child, just so that we can kind of have a general idea of, of what the timeline looks like in, in your family. Cause it's been over the last few years. So we, uh, we applied actually to be foster parents for numerous times and there were paperwork snafus and different issues that came up with um, DHR where it, the timing didn't work out for them or for us. And then um, at the end of 2019, we talked about, uh, I'm sorry, 2018. At the end of 2018, we talked about some goals for the next year, 2019. And one of our goals was to finally start the process of foster care and let's see what we can do this year to see if we can foster to adopt a child. So um, on January 4th of 2019, 
um, I actually got an email out of the blue from one of the social workers at DHR saying that they were starting a new class in a few days. And the timing just happened to be perfect for us. So we started that class in January. We finished in, um, I think, April, March or April. And um, just we didn't actually get licensed until um, late November. It just is a very long process, as you know, Patrick, to do that. And then we got our first placement um, in December. And this was not the first call that we got. Um, each time that we got a call, we would, we would talk about it, we would get information, and we would pray about it. God, is this the right call for us? And we didn't feel that with the prior um, calls that we received. And then we got this call, and we both felt instantly like this this is it. God is telling us, take this, take this child. And we did. And we had him for um, almost six months. Yeah. And, and then in part of that, you know, as, as you go through it, you, you obviously follow the, the child's case and you're in uh, ISP meetings and you're in discussions with DHR that where is this case headed? Uh, where, what are the likelihood that this child will be adoptable? Uh, because this is a child that obviously their parents are still trying to, to do things or not trying to do things, but for whatever reason, it's still dragging along. And so through that, uh, you know, we got a call. We, we kept in contact with a DHR worker and they're like, yeah, it's looking like it's going to be an adoption situation. I need y'all to think about it. And we sat down in our living room and, and she's like, do you think you would want to adopt him? And we're like, yeah, that's, that's why we got into this. That's what we're here to do is provide a permanent home. And we're just, uh, we're just happy. And it's like your whole, the thing about it is, is, is the way you, you look at it is, is you just go, this is the child that's going to be with me forever. Uh, this is, you know, this is, and, and from day one, and we've treated every child, that from day one, they're part of our family, uh, no matter if, if they're going to be a short term or long term. And I'm kind of an all or nothing guy. Uh, either you're in the family or, uh, you know, and when you're in our family, you're part of our family. You're one of our kids. And, you know, we just thought this is going to be a, you know, a lifetime uh, with this child. And, you know, we had done things just preparing for you know looked at the next year and and things and went ahead and, and got him ready to enroll and and we just thought this is the way it's going and uh it just wasn't the way it went and um obviously it was just out of the blue it was uh i think it was probably like two weeks before they were set to file the termination of the parents rights uh which would in legal essence, open the child up to be adopted after that, as that goes through. Uh, a re relative resource just came forward out of nowhere and said, yeah, I'd like to be that placement. Uh, I'd like the child to come live with me. And it went from, you know, this is a long term to, all right, we're going to start transitioning this child to a relative. And it's one of the hardest things. Uh, I'm like I'm ashamed to say that I prayed that it wouldn't work out with the relative. I'm, I'm ashamed to say that now, 
But as I prayed that, God kept showing us that that's what was supposed to happen. Um, he kept reaffirming this child is supposed to go to the relative. Before we even knew anything about the relative, the more information we found out, the more we realized this is where he's supposed to be. He's not supposed to be with y'all as hard as that was. Um, some of the things we found out were that the, um, the aunt and uncle who wanted him, they didn't know that he was in care um, the entire time that he had been in care, which was basically his entire life. They had no idea. Um, no one had ever told them. They found out um, randomly and actually went down to DHR to try to get more information. Um, they themselves had felt a calling from God to be foster parents and had in, started enrolling in foster care classes in the county that they live in um, to be foster parents um, when their own nephew wow. was had no idea. So God continued to reaffirm that to us. And we had a conversation with them um, where we talked about we talked about Jesus and we talked about God and we talked about callings. And it was like God just slapping us around saying, this is exactly what is supposed to happen. You need to change your prayers. You need to pray for the rest of his life instead of praying that he can be with you. Yeah. So, so you went from this moment where you're going to adopt and this is going to be your forever little boy to Brent talk about you and I've had a moment of, able to share uh, what that was like to eventually pack up his things and, and say goodbye. No, Patrick, the hard thing is, as we mentioned before, you know, I've done these type of cases and I've done these from the attorney perspective. And so I know how these things go, but you're obviously a little bit disconnected emotionally from the case when you're doing the legal side of it. And, See, I understand all the reasoning and I understand the legalities of why this child has to go with a relative and, and I understand why those things are in place, but it certainly doesn't make it any easier uh, when, you know, you get a call and you're like, okay, uh, the transition is going to happen on this date. And so you go up to his room and you pack up everything and you load it on the car and, and then you go back up as you do and, and you look through and make sure he's got everything and, and then you get in the car. And, you know, so I had to, uh, it was just very hard, you know. Driving him to that gas station to hand him off to another family that you know will love the child as much as you do, but it's still your child. <laughs> Sorry, Patrick. It's okay. It's just, it's very difficult. So, Rebecca will tell you, I'm not much of a crier. Probably nobody in church has ever seen me cry. Um, but having a child, you know, that's one of the things emotionally it just impacts you in ways that you, you, you never saw coming. Uh, you know, you, you just think you have everything under control that you can compartmentalize. And then you meet a child that opens up your heart and you have to drive that child to another family. And you may never see that family, uh, that child again, and may never hear anything, you know, about that child. Um, 
and that's one of the hardest things uh, it, because to, to me and, and to Rebecca, it was if we drove any one of our children to that gas station and said goodbye. Um, you know, I can't, this date, I can't drive, you know, down Interstate 85 and not look over and see the gas station and, and say, you know what, that's the last place that I saw him. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's, it's always kind of a quiet time when you drive by. And it's even though you, you know that he's with a family that truly loves him, just know that you loved him and you miss him uh, because it was such a part of the family. You know, a lot of people, I think, um, don't necessarily uh, relate to that in a sense because it's it's hard to imagine until you go through it. But, um, you know, being a foster parent myself, I mean – the times that we thought that a child was going to stay long term with us and had to do the drive like you all have experienced. It's the closest thing to a death of a child that I ever want to feel. And I can feel that in you today that it feels like a death. Would, would that be appropriate to say in your situation? Yeah, no, it, it really is. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's no different. I mean, we always, we know that even in death that they're on to a better place and everything's and and it's so uh, the similarities are you know for us it, it really is a, a cutting off of of ever you know seeing that person that that child again um so you know for us it was we took you know a few weeks and because it is it's just you're almost mourning uh you know you, you go by their their room and, 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 you know, we still refer to it as his room and, and, but then they call again and they say, would you, we have another child that, uh, we think this may be a situation where they may not have anybody and you open your heart again and you go through this. And, uh, to me, it's just, I don't, I, you know, one of the things I don't want this people to take away is that this is a, um, against foster care because it is such a special thing. Um, I, I wish I could describe to people exactly the feelings that you get, uh, whenever a child comes into your home. And for me, it's just when they sleep. Um, because you can just see that they're safe, that they feel safe. And, you know, it's, you'll go up there and, and you'll check on them over and over the first few nights and just make sure they're sleeping. But to see a child sleep and you can just see that they're, they're they feel safe. You can just see it. Um, and for some of them, maybe the first time in their life that they've truly felt safe or had a place to sleep. Uh, that's a bed. Um, is a special thing that as, as much as we look at, you know, the sadness, there's also a, a lot of happiness and, and things that along the way. You know, for the two of you, I mean, there you are, you're in a place where you're stepping out of the boat, you're walking on water, 
so to speak, in your own life. Like we're going to step out. We're going to open up our house. We're going to open up our hearts to what we believe and feel like is an adoption to have it then, well, like the passage goes on to say, so Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. So he, he finds himself in a place where he's sinking and it's his wants, it's his desires, right? I'm, I'm walking on water, I'm doing this thing. And, and I think for, for those that step out of a boat, like what you have done, you're doing this thing and, you're, and, and it feels so good, it feels so right. And then to have the rug pulled out from under you, to, to begin to sink, the tragedy of that. But yet, that prayer that Peter prays, Lord, save me, there's an outcome that is there that I don't think many of us realize because so many people ask foster parents, you know, myself being a foster parent, so many people ask foster parents, how do you do it? How do you give a child back? I could never do that. I could love the child. I don't know that I could ever pack up their things. And I know that we've gone through the harsh reality of that in this first part of our conversation. But Brent, what you just have shared, you know, there are things that are so special that you feel like God has given you this incredible blessing to watch a child sleep, that, to, to watch a child walk into a room and go, wait, that's my bed? I have a bed? No, no, not only do you have a bed, you have a bedroom. Not only do you have a bedroom, that's your bathroom. You know, not only do you, do not, do you have a bathroom, that's your television that you can change the channel and watch cartoons, whatever you... You know, um, that's your swing set. That, I mean, it's, it's, it's over and over and over again, right? I mean, Rebecca, what are some of those things that you have experienced that it's like, what? So we, we took him to Great Wolf Lodge, which is a real, it's an indoor water park, and he had never been to even a swimming pool before. And that was probably the coolest experience of my life, I think, because just watching him run through the waves and then going down the slide probably about 200 times. He thought like a water slide was so amazing and the coolest invention ever. Um, just in something that my kids have seen several times and they were even in awe of watching him do that. And I just have so many cherished memories uh, from, from that weekend there. And um, taking it, we, we were able to take him to New York City with us. We had a, a trip planned with our family before he came into our house, and we were able to get permission to take him with us on that trip. Um, and, and that was really neat, too, because he had never been to a big city before. So seeing things for the first time through a child's eyes uh, is a really special experience. And one thing we always laugh about is, after that, any large building that's more than three stories, he would be like, are we back in New York City? <laughs> I mean, downtown Montgomery, we were in with Tomka, and he said, is this New York again? So it's just, those are good memories. Throughout this process, as you know, the ups and downs of the roller coaster ride, I think we've asked folks that have gone through it and people, and, and somebody gave us the advice one time, said, look, it's, I'm not sure how long these children will be with you, uh, but you just your your goal is to brighten their life for whatever time period they're in it, and whether that's a lifetime or a short time, you know it's our goal is to that they'll look back on it 
and say, you know, I got to experience things and I felt love. And um, uh, that was part of us, uh, you know, part of the process that no longer how, no matter how long you're with us, you're in our family and you're our family from day one. And you may leave here and, and you're, you're still in our heart and you're still a part of our family. And, but it's, you see those memories and sometimes I'll just catch myself just thinking about memories and just looking at him, you know, riding the subway through New York as a, as a three-year-old and wanted to sit on his own side of the car and I looked at her and just looking over and seeing him with his little ticket. And, and you can just picture the whole scene of him just sitting there with his ticket, just being this big boy riding through New York and just loving every moment that you're soaking in um, and, and just not wanting it to end, which, which is why it makes it even harder because you've had those magical moments uh, with them that you just want to continue forever. It makes me think about Peter's story and walking on water and another story of him being in a boat. And over in John chapter 21, he's in a boat and Jesus has been resurrected and he's on the shoreline and he just decides he's going back fishing. And Peter's like, I'm going back to fishing. And he takes some of the disciples with him and they've fished all night and they haven't caught anything. And picking up in, in just a passage of scripture to share with everyone today, uh, Jesus says to them, children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. And, and I tell that story because it's so interesting how God changes the outcome of our situation and our calling all the time. Uh, you end up in situations and end up in, in places that you never thought that you were going to be. And, and Peter finds himself in a place where he's fishing on one side of the boat, catches nothing, comes up empty-handed. And I think about your story, many people would think right now, hey, I don't know if I ever want to do foster care, right? Like they have this story right now where they've come up empty-handed. Um, they, they got into it thinking one thing. And, and, and they have nothing out of this in their mind, right? Like it, at first glance, it could look like they have nothing. But could you talk a little bit about how your faith has guided you through these uncertain times and how, uh, you know, in a way similar to Peter, there is a catch of fish, right? That is happening in your family, in your life, uh, blessings and growth even in the midst of of the heartache what would you share to somebody that's like ooh that looks like a whole lot of empty uh fishing and and if i go if I, if i were to answer a calling from god foster care or anything else i would like for it to be a, something where i'm catching something but you are catching fish there are things that are happening in in your life and uh i know that you all have have shared some of those things with me yeah i i think you know for us, I, I think that what foster care has taught us is that maybe maybe we weren't catching things before we got into this. Like maybe it was just empty. Like I, I don't I don't think you realize that you're not catching the fish until you step out and you get into this or you whatever your calling is. Sometimes you don't see the 
emptiness or that you're kind of just going through life without a calling until you get into it. And then you go every day, there's these little simple things like the little stories of Great Wolf Lodge or, or New York City or, or just even just a joke or something that, that these children will share with you. Those are the fish. Uh, those are the lights. And, and, you know, for me and Rebecca, the, for, and I know specifically for me, it, it's been, I feel like we've been given so much in life that it's the, it's the, 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 the verse that says too much is given, much is required. And for me, it's okay. I've, I've been given these things. I, I have these things and, and we have the home, we have the bathroom, we have the bedroom, we have all these things. Do, do we just waste it? Do we just go on vacations? Do we just go and uh, take trips and, and, and buy, you know, different things? Well, I don't think that's what my faith would lead me to believe is what's the best thing for me to use these resources. Um, now, I, I, I wish not going in that I would have known that there's, there's a checklist that they give you when you first get into this and it says, do you have fire extinguishers? Do you have a bedroom? Do you have different things? Do you have a bed? Do you have different things? And that's a great checklist. Uh, but there is way more to this checklist. Uh, find out you, you just need more. Uh, and you, the only thing you have sometimes is your faith to look at it and say, okay, I don't know that I have all these items in this checklist, but God, please help me get the rest of these and carry my end as I grow and, and figure out the best way to be a parent, a husband, a father, uh, all these different things, a counselor, um, things that I, I just don't know that I, I was equipped with before. And so that's, that's really how faith carries us through this. Rebecca, how... How do you feel like your faith has been challenged and changed going through this as a mama who has given her heart away to a couple of children that then ultimately find their their lives lived in some other location than inside your home? I did a Bible study. I've been in a Bible study, and then a few weeks after um, we lost the um, he, our the child went to his new home. One of the questions in the Bible study was, "How did you get through the hardest time in your life, and how did your faith help you through there?" And I just said, "Ask me in two months. I hope." And it's been two months, and I'm I still can't tell you the answer. Every day um, is hard, <laughs> and every day I feel like God show me today what you're wanting from me. What do you want from me today? And a lot of it is just day to day instead of, um, I wish God would show me the plan from our entire lives and my entire life. That's not going to happen. I can only get through each day. And I don't want to pretend like I do the right thing every day and that I fully trust God every day and that I don't try to go my own way and try to figure things out on my own. Um, I definitely do. I 
argue with God often. You always know who wins those. <laughs> but I, I, it's just day to day for me. But I feel like when you've experienced the kind of joy and the kind of fulfillment that you get when you're doing what you feel like you're called to do, even though there's heartbreak and there's pain and there's a lot of crying and there's a lot of dark days, you can't go back to a normal life. And I, I don't think that we can. And that's one thing that we've talked about is we, there's no turning back now. We're there. We're like you said, we're, we've, we've moved our nets. We're on the other side of the boat and this is where we are now. And I don't think we can turn back and, and, and go back to the life we had before, which was a lot easier and a lot simpler and say, okay, well, that chapter's closed. Now we're just going to go back and pretend like we never experienced this. We can't. Wow. That is amazing because I think that people need to hear that Rebecca, because you know, too many of us, go through the motions of our faith and you being real like that and being willing to talk about arguing with God, uh, being frustrated, not knowing what the outcome is going to be, but yet still saying, I'm not turning back. I'm not turning back. We're already out of the boat. We're already going to do it now, Lord, you're just going to have to save us. Um, cause it's sink or swim now because I don't want to go back to the boat. Uh, I love, I love your perspective on that because uh, it's interesting. I want to ask a follow-up question about that because it, it seems like in many ways people will run back to the boat because there's safety there. But yet here you are two months and you're, you, you don't know a lot and you're not and you're struggling and you're still trying to figure it all out, but you're not necessarily saying I'm running back to the boat. Um, what, what do you feel like is, is really compelling you all as a family to, to still wade into the deep, if you will? For me, it's the joy that you get daily because I wish that we had a lifetime of that, of that joy with this child and with the next child that, that we didn't. But what if we'd never said yes and we would have never had the six months? I cannot imagine not having that time um, if I'd never said yes. And if, I, if we don't say yes to the next child, we won't get that. We won't get the memories with that child either. And we won't get what we won't get all of that. Um, and I don't want to miss out on that. You know, Rachel and I say the same thing a lot. I mean, all the different children that have been through our house. I mean, we are filled with memories of all of these kids. And while our heart breaks, we don't want to miss, we don't want to miss the next one. We don't want to miss the next looks on their face. Brent, I love, I love the fact that you talk about just watching them sleep. I mean, I, I don't want to miss those things. And, and, and what would you say? I mean, I guess in some ways that's what you would say to people who, are sitting in the boat right now and they want to get up out of their seat. They know that their life is supposed to be a little more. They know that maybe it's not all just 
supposed to be easy street, right? They know, but, but it's comfortable, but, but they need nudged a little bit. What, what would you say to them today about, about your, your experience? Because it, while it's hard and you're crying some through this conversation, right? Both of you, but yet you're still saying, we're moving forward, even into the next heartbreak, potentially. What would you say to somebody who is like, I know I'm supposed to get up out of this boat, but I just, uh, I don't know. And, and they're crying, you know? I mean, what would you say? I would say the, how we started is you, you either, <laughs> the one thing I know about God is you either answer the calling or he just keeps coming back. And he just keeps coming back and keeps coming back and says, this is your calling. You're going to get on this path. And for us, it's, and, and for me, it's, it's no, we're going to keep going down this path uh, because I, I know that this is the path. And I know that the signs have said, you need to be on this path and you just stay on this path. You can run back to the boat, but I'm just going to drag you out of the boat again. And you're gonna, you're getting in the water, whether you like it or not. Uh, you can go gently, or I'm gonna nudge you, or you know, or I'm just gonna kick you out of the boat and kick you into this. Uh, uh, whether you want to do it sometimes or not, uh, you just, you just keep going. And because it, I know one thing that that his plan for my life is way better than anything I could try to envision on my own, and anything we try to do on our own it's really not as fulfilling as anything like this. Um, this is the most fulfilling thing, you know, I've ever, I've done just, just to open your home and open your heart to another, to a child, uh, that, you know, you don't have to, um, but you, you do it because yes, you really have to, that, you know, that this is your calling. And so you do it and whatever it takes. And one day we'll have a child that we end up adopting and uh, it'll be a, a very special moment. And that child will turn 16, I'm sure, and, and be irritating and, and, you know, those things. And uh, be a terrible driver. But uh, till then, we'll just keep plugging along. Yeah, and we will be celebrating with you all during that moment. But, you know, as we get ready to kind of close this out, I think that one of the things that I take from this today is the callings are never going to be easy. I mean, when you think about Peter and the passages we've read and you think about your life and your situation and God has changed the outcome of those situations uh, and the outcome being changed, even in your own heart, you went into it, Hey, we're going to adopt. And now your faith is actually being strengthened and grown and stretched in ways you never thought imagine, imaginable because think about it, if you would have just been, if you'd have just been one and done, first child walks in, it's just, you know, easy street, you're adopted, bam, look at us, we did it, we did this thing, we answered this call. But you know, that's never really how it is in the Bible. You know, even the Bible is never how it is. You know, um, it just never is. There's always this season of stretching and growing and, and, and pushing and, and God pruning us away. Uh, and, and you said it, Brent, and I love it. It's like, but it's the most fulfilling thing. You, you can't go back because 
I believe that we know God's working on our hearts when we're in those places. God is working on our faith and in our, in our soul and, and we are growing and being stretched. Uh, I said to you and I'll say to everyone else, yeah, I've been to seminary and, you know, I've been, I've been stretched and grown theologically in so many ways, but nothing like foster care has grown myself and my family closer to God than, than the, the ups and downs and the roller coasters of, of bringing children into our home. And, and I see it in your, in your life right now. I see it in your, in your hearts. And, and I know that God has, has some really cool things that he's already done and some really amazing things that are about to be done because y'all are journeying with him. You're wrestling, Rebecca, like you said, I mean, it's not perfect. It's not, it's not easy. It's not Sunday morning and some fried chicken, which we can't even do right now. But, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the easy street of faith of just let's go sing some songs, say some prayers, hear a message and call it good. You know, it's, it's, you are in, you're in the muck and the mud of this thing. And God is, is doing something new in your life and doing something new in your family and your children will benefit. I am, I'm fully uh, aware of that blessing that has happened in my own home. And so uh, I want to encourage people to, to hear your story today, to step out in faith that God's going to change it. Like whatever that calling is, I rarely hear a story and yours is, is one of many where God just kind of calls and it goes, exactly how you thought it was going to go. This is exactly how you thought it was going to go. Rarely, it's always a twist and a turn. It's always a lion's den or a giant, right? It's always a, uh, you're going to deny me three times. No, I'm not. It's always something that's going to change the outcome and and push us to that place. So, uh, you know, thank you for sharing your story today. Thank you for uh, sharing your heart. You know, if if there's anybody out there who is getting ready to, to step out or, or feeling nudged right now, uh, you, you get the last word. Any, any last advice or thoughts about anyone who's like on the edge of their seat on the boat and not quite sure that you would, uh, that you would impart you know, any kind of wisdom up to them today? So you know that we didn't want to do this. Um, because we didn't want to be vulnerable and we didn't want to share how difficult things were for us um, because we tried to make sure that people see the good side of everything and the happy side. Um, But what convinced us and how you convinced us that we should do this is so that we could show other people that even when your calling is hard, even when it's difficult, and even when you don't understand what God's doing, he's still there with you and he's still guiding you and he's bringing you closer to him through every difficulty that you go through. And even um, as you look back on things and you look back on what you've gone through, you see that God had his hand in every bit of it and gave you things that um, only he can give. Yeah, and the the only thing I would say is just get out of the boat. It's going to be difficult. It's not going to be what you expect. Uh, The water's going to be colder. It's going to be deeper. 
We've got a lot of things swimming in that water. But you know what? Give it a shot and go with it and just and you'll never look back to the boat. You won't. Um, you may consider it, but you won't go back because the fulfilling nature of going down the path that you know is the right path and is so fulfilling is so meaningful that you don't want to get back in the boat. So one of the one of the verses that I have to remind myself of daily because it is daily for me is Second um, Chronicles twenty twelve, um, where they say, "Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you." And that's how I feel a lot of the time, um, and how I felt a lot of the time. And I have to say every day, God. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what am I doing? But I'm looking at you. Show me. Guide me. And that's why I really like that verse a lot. As we get ready to close today, you've heard a very powerful story of faith, a journey of faith that is real, that is authentic, that is vulnerable. I'm really thankful to Brent and Rebecca for sharing so candidly about their journey. Uh, and I know that for some of us that are uh, watching this today, God's got a calling on your life right now. He is nudging your heart and uh, it's gonna be tough. You know it's gonna be uncomfortable, but maybe today's the day to say yes and to keep your eyes on, on Jesus. So uh, I just invite you to go to the Lord in prayer with me. Let's pray. Almighty God, we bow before you today and we give you thanks for the opportunity to, to just hear fresh stories of your handiwork of the way in which you are molding and shaping, God, our lives and, and our faith journey. And so, God, right now I pray over Brent and Rebecca as they continue to, to get out of the boat and as they continue to walk with you and talk with you and struggle with you through this season of their life. And yet at the same time, God, they are right where they want to be. They don't want to get back in that boat. And so help them, God, by, by your grace and by your truth and by your wisdom and your hope. Help them, God, to stay right there firmly planted uh, with you. And God, for those of us that, are, that have leaned into this conversation today, I pray, God, that, that, if, that if you're knocking on the door of, of someone's heart that's watching this right now, that, and it doesn't make sense, the, the calling doesn't make sense, and the, and, and, and the, the opportunity doesn't, doesn't look like it lines up or makes sense, but yet, God, you keep calling, you keep nudging, you, you keep providing little signs. And God, those people that are watching this know what that is. And so God, I pray that you would compel them, that even though it doesn't make sense, that they would step out in faith, that they would come out onto that water, that they would walk with you, that they would learn to journey with you in every valley, in every change, in every difficulty, in every broken-hearted place that they would find themselves in this because ultimately you are growing them more into the person that you would have them to be. And so God, um, many times you're at work and it doesn't really make sense. And we've been reminded of that again today. You change outcomes, you change the direction, but you have a plan for each one of our lives. And so God, I pray over every person now that they would walk with you and live more into that plan that you have for them because it is so fulfilling. It is so full of life and life abundantly that we don't want to miss it. So help us, God, that we may trust you even when it doesn't make sense. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.